this is a journey, my journey, but it's also the, I would say the Indian entrepreneur's journey. You now have all these very, very smart people that have global exposure coming back and saying, you know, there is, there is opportunity in India for me to do very unique things and actually meet Indian demands. That is Sandeep Singhal of Nexus Venture Partners. And I'm Dhiman Parikh, founder of The Better India and The Better Home. Welcome everybody to episode 2 of Backers of India's Best Ideas. Let's get started. Before we just get into all the interesting details, I wanted to give a quick introduction of uh, Sandeep. Sandeep has been an entrepreneur and a pioneer of the Indian venture capital space. Um, going right back from where he was a co-founder and CEO of uh, Medis Ind uh, Solutions, one of the leading healthcare outsourcing companies in India. You also co-founded eVentures India in 99, which had some amazingly good notable exits like Customer Asset, uh, Mentoric Solutions, Make My Trip. And at Nexus, uh, you know, you've been doing some amazing work, which is uh, being active in the whole enterprise software space, healthcare space, even impact investments, um, sitting on the boards of companies like ACA, Intello Labs, um, Live Health, Librate, you know, tons of them. Um, and of course, your, um, you know, the recent, uh, you've been in the news for many interesting companies recently as well. Um, it, from an education perspective, Sandeep has an MBA with distinction from Wharton, with a dual major in finance and marketing, and a BS in electrical engineering from Stanford. That's an incredible pedigree there, uh, Sandeep. And you've also been actively involved with uh, TIE, uh, the Interest Entrepreneur Network, and the Stanford and Wharton India Alumni Associations. Uh, what I also understand is that in your spare time, you like to play badminton um, and, of course, you know, travel the world, which is uh, something we unfortunately can't do right now. So that's, a, that's an amazing uh, profile, Sandeep. Thank you once again for being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, Sandeep, I'll, I'll just get straight uh, to the basics. Um, I'd love to get a cure from you a story of an investment that you made that means a lot to you and kind of somewhere aligns with your journey as a VC. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll talk about a couple actually, um, and at different times in the journey. So the first one I'm going to talk about is in the very early days of uh, sort of Indian VC. Uh, I made an investment in a company called uh, NetMagic and NetMagic uh, is now the leading uh, data center company in India, started by a gentleman named Sharad Sanghi. And, uh, you know, he built the company, went through this period where the dot-com bust happened in 2001, stayed true to what he was doing, uh, had, you know, raised equity money, so was able to survive that period, and subsequently built the business to a point where Entity acquired it. And then as part of Entity, he has stayed on with Entity and has continued to build uh, the entity presence in India as the head of an entity net magic, but also helping entities, global businesses in, in the data center space. So very clear in his principles. And I think, uh, has done a phenomenal job in, I think, establishing the internet industry in India mm. by providing in the initial days, you know, Bazi was hosted here, make my trip was hosted here, mm. uh, you know, just provided the underpinnings for a lot of the companies to get going in the domestic market. So that's a, that's a classic example of a company that, uh, you know, started in a time when there was no internet in India, right? So I'm just taking you through a journey. Yeah. I'm sort of in 2006, uh, when I started Nexus, uh, and you know, we were in our fund one, 
At that point, I met a very uh, interesting individual named Shashikant Surinarayan. Mm -hmm. Shashi is a, and was a professor at that time at IIT Bombay and still is a professor. Shashi came to me saying that we are building a company on engine controls and I want to create the next Bosch, but I want to create it from India. And uh, he was working with a couple of master students from IIT. He had gotten IIT to spin off the technology and uh, take some small equity in the company. And he was looking for investment. You meet a lot of academics, particularly in India. I think in the US, it's a pretty standard approach in the US where academics leave to start companies. You know, there are a lot of MIT professors, a lot of Stanford professors that have started companies, but it's not very common in India. You know, maybe Shashi, because he had done his PhD at Berkeley, had a had a different viewpoint. But, uh, uh, you know, he brought a very interesting, strong academic ba background combined with a very strong commercial sense. Mm. So in the way he talked about how you would build the business and so on, uh, saw an opportunity to back an academic building, you know, a very robust technology led business. Again, not very common in India, but again, right. a and doing something very, very unique. And then I would say more recently, I'll talk about an entrepreneur that is sort of the sign of the times. And this is a, a gentleman named Nitin Jayakrishnan. And Nitin has lived abroad, chose to come back. Uh, family business was in print and so on uh, out of Chennai. Decided that there was an opportunity in the logistics space. And, uh, you know, the it wasn't saying, okay, I'm going to go build a new logistics service provider, or I'm going to go build a marketplace. He said, there's a need for software. So there is a need for all the shippers to be using software that is specific for India. So Oracle, SAP, JDA, they all provide this software, but it's all designed for global markets. The thing that made us back Nitin was that he was, he never once said, I'm going to compete with these guys on price was always about, I'm going to build a product that is going to meet the Indian customer's requirements better than what the global majors are providing. This is a journey, my journey, but it's also the, I would say the Indian entrepreneur's journey. You now have all these very, very smart people that have global exposure coming back and saying, you know, there is, there is opportunity in India for me to do very unique things and actually meet Indian demands. Uh, and one trade that actually stood out for me also in the, in the three scenarios, right from the, you know, the net magic thing all the way till this journey here. Uh, the way you pointed out is that each of these entrepreneurs had a very long term vision. If you look at it, right. Uh, like staying true to the values saying, you're going to build a company, which is not going to compete on price, which is a very sort of a short term way to have, if you say, Hey, I'm just going to compete on price and kind of get the upper this thing. Uh, so this long-term view is such an important thing, uh, I think, which is not talked about enough, right? As you kind of see the, in general, the media talking about stuff, you will see, oh yeah, you know, they raised a year and they had an exit in the second year and that's great. And that is great, kind of getting celebrated. Uh, how do you, how do you really get to that essence that this is actually going to be a long-term view because a long-term view indicates stability and, and a bigger ambition, I think. So, you know, Dimad, I think there is a, it's it's important to also keep in mind one thing that these entrepreneurs have to target large markets. So it is not just about perseverance. It's not just about the vision, but it's also about the size of the market that you choose to target. Right. Uh, you know, the ambition that I'm going to be the Bosch 
equivalent, right? Bosch is a multi-billion dollar company. So mm-hmm. somebody is starting from IIT Bombay and saying, you know, I want to build a Bosch equivalent has a very strong vision that they want to target large markets. Uh, when Nitin talks about logistics, he says, okay, you know, I'm, I'm targeting the India market, but the India market and the characteristics of the India market are also relevant for Southeast Asia. They're also relevant for Latin America. They're also relevant for Eastern Europe and so on. So I'm going, I'm not going to stay in India. I'm going to build this product here because I think there is a need here, but I'm going to go global. Right? So mm. it's also that, that vision that I'm, I'm playing in a large market and I want to, I want to build a large company. So considering that that kind of becomes an important factor, um, I'd love to kind of understand how do you identify a promising idea? I mean, I'm sure you bombarded with ideas like almost every other day. How do you really kind of get a sense around it? Or is it more just an innate learning that you develop over the years? The, the key thing is that the, our, our approach is a bottoms up approach. We are expecting that there are very, very smart people all across Ooh. India. And they are also seeing the same problem that I'm seeing. And some of them are who are probably much smarter than me and also more execution oriented than me, go out and start solving them. And so my job as a venture capitalist is to facilitate the journey of these entrepreneurs, right? People who have taken the call that this is something they want to solve and they want to build a large company out of it. So uh, in that sense, yes, I do have, and as a, as a firm, right, as Nexus, we have some perspective on different areas in terms of how large it can be, what's the competitive dynamics there, uh, what is the kind of capital that will be required. So obviously we have some perspectives that we build over time, but at the same time, we are always looking for a passionate entrepreneur that has a, brings a unique way to solving that problem Hmm. because the entrepreneur is much closer to the ground and can therefore educate us as to what, what is really possible. That's very interesting. So in terms of a trait, is there something specifically then you look at from a founder or an entrepreneur? So are there like certain traits that you think are important? Yeah. So I think uh, obviously the, the starting point is, you know, the passion for going and doing something entrepreneurial. It is, you've been an, you know, you've been an entrepreneur for, for years now. So you understand this, you know, I can see yeah. your passion. So I think the, the key thing is that there is the idea is, is something that you're so passionate about that you will stay with it even when things are sort of down, right? Because entrepreneurship as such is a very sort of lonely journey, right? And, and you, you have to have the inner conviction that what you're doing really matters and you also therefore stay with it. At the same time, you need to be able to show flexibility and adaptability. If you are too adaptive, you'll mm-hmm. never build anything big because you're just sort of meandering, right? You end up meandering. But if you are too dogmatic and your convictions don't listen to the outside market, the risk okay. you run is you become irrelevant. The, the second area is execution. You know, the ability to execute is under sort of played in the success of an entrepreneur. You know, it's, it's 20% idea, 80% is execution. True. <laughs> and so a person, you know, has to be able to show execution somewhere that they have they have the mindset for execution. They have the ability to bring things together and then sort of put it all together. And the third thing I would say is the ability to motivate mm. the ability to, you know, sell is too, uh, is too sort of, you know, class a word in some ways, but mm. it is selling. So uh, the reason why I say you motivate a customer to trust you, 
you motivate your employee to come and join you you motivate your business partner to partner with you to sell jointly right so in some ways that ability to present your vision present your idea in a way that excites the person sitting across from you to be want to want to help you key thing over here is those three things are very critical i listen and out of this i haven't said you know that it's a large market or a big idea or capital right i think that all comes those are all sort of you know people talk about that in all settings you know people say what what do vcs look at and those four things come out but i think the fundamental thing is these three traits of making right. a trade off between conviction and and adaptability second is this notion of being able to you know execute and third is the ability to sell and motivate that's very very well put actually if we, and and you were so right in terms of the fact that your early customers your early you know anybody who partners with you early is actually out there to help you because you really have nothing to prove yeah. at that point right, to yeah. show so in in that uh, you know just kind of taking off from there and i'm talking more from a founder and you know being an entrepreneur so we in the startup space are, are known to be really kind of eternal optimists right you have to keep kind of adapting there's a lot which gets thrown at you uh, and you have to kind of keep adopting uh, uh, you know the different ways and paths and kind of keep journeying towards the same journey but have you um, you know have you ever experienced a moment when a founder pitched an idea to you and you were like sold from the get go although on paper none of the business metrics were favorable yeah so uh, you know i think uh, abhinav uh, asthana from postman has spoken postman. about recently so uh, it was it's a very interesting journey uh, and it sort of shows the strength of nexus and how sort of we work so uh, one of our portfolio companies in chennai was using the product the cto in that company reached out to my colleague samir who was based in who's based in bangalore to say hey you know there's this uh, product that i'm using it's an open source tool the name of the person who's built this tool is indian so you know he must be somewhere in india or maybe you know you can find him love the product so samir found out where abhinav was based luckily it was in in bangalore and uh, he ended up uh, you know spending time with abhinav really liked him so he brought him to uh, you know we said let's let's have a meeting here in bombay right if i look at it 3 years out what are you going to build and he took us through his entire thought process that apis was the new way to do programming there is there is all these case tools that are used uh, for doing software programming today but nobody has built a tool or a, a sort of you know development environment for apis mm. right. i'm going to go testing only a starting point but i want to build a development environment for apis right. and uh, it just made logical sense right i am not a i'm not a software programmer i'm not a api developer but the way he explained it was you know so easy and so simple i understand a little bit about software development so i understood what where he could take this and so samir and i both came out of the we said abhinav i can just wait here we both came out and said got to back this guy and we went back in you know we we went to our office just typed up a term sheet okay. got back down and said <laughs> abhinav let's get started let's work together and it was a seed round it was a million dollars and again credit to abhinav right he looked at us here's somebody who is just one person getting a term sheet you know million dollars in the company and so on he looks at us and he says you know can you connect me to some of your entrepreneurs who can give a reference on you 
how is it like working with you wow gave gave us even more confidence that this is a person who will stay the course right wow that's an amazing story um quickly just getting into you know your kind of day to day things right what is your favorite uh, or favorite set of tools to help improve productivity this is something that i am constantly kind of looking for you know i'm just uh, uh, this should not be seen as a plug but i am i just switched to superhuman as a as a email client you know i would say most of my work is on zoom as i'm doing it with you otherwise it's right. meetings right. or it's email right so for me that entire sort of connectivity between my email client my calendar and my mm-hmm. uh, and my contact database is like gold right that's that's how the model works right right so as a firm you know we we use a, a deal management tool that sort of links back into the email system and uh, you know I, i keep looking for the next sort of good email client that i can use so this one i'm trying this one right now so for you yeah Yeah, Superhuman is one which we've been kind of looking at it. There's also Hey, which the Basecamp guys have launched, uh, which yeah. also promises. There are lots of these inbox kind of solutions which are now starting to come up. It's like I'm personally amazed yeah. to see inbox become alive now, uh, when people have been writing off email for now 30 years. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Right? <laughs> hotmail, yeah. hotmail, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. We thought we yeah. were done. <laughs> <laughs> and every now and then you suddenly see a resurgence of email. In fact, now with you know things like yeah. Substack and all that, like so many email newsletters, like a lot of my content is now after going through this whole thing about social media and all, and now you're coming back to reading great email newsletters because they're so well thought yeah. and written. Correct. Great. But it's uh, it's it's interesting, you know. You look at Zoom. Yeah. Nobody had thought that there could be another sort of you know web conferencing tool. Yeah. After we had done everything, right? You had. obviously the more expensive versions with you know uh, uh, hardware and everything else then you had life size come about webex and everything else and yeah. all of a sudden you have a completely new product i think it becomes equally important to think about the end customer experience as a con- as a consumer that person is is now sort of you know consuming a enterprise tool but right. we are so used to a certain experience on the consumer side that we expect that on the enterprise side as well that's an interesting point so how do you as a like how would you recommend a entrepreneur to look at a enterprise level grade product uh, and what is that slight shift that he or she would have to do as compared to building a consumer led product and i'm talking from an indian context mm-hmm. so uh, i think uh, clearly when you are looking at enterprise solutions there is always more of a workflow component to it than it, there is in the on the consumer side right so the consumer mm-hmm. solutions are much more point solutions whereas when you start moving towards enterprises you're looking more towards uh, workflow solutions the the key thing is that you can make your workflow as complex as you want or keep it as simple as you want so the trade off really is at what point does my customer experience degrade because i have too much functionality from a workflow perspective and that's the trade off that one has to think about today when you're thinking about building a consumer sorry a enterprise product that you start a consumer always on a simple apple starts the consumer on a very simple simple interface right but typically what has happened in the past with enterprise deployment is you would have a rfp right and the rfp would be six pages long and you would have to say okay what do i what functionality do i provide here and so on 
that behavior pattern in purchasing has shifted so today mm-hmm. enterprise sales are happening at the department level at the individual level right so a postman mm-hmm. is deployed by the developer so there is this new category that has emerged you know with this devops sort of uh, area yes that the business to developer right the b2d right right the so d is sitting in an enterprise but is behaving like a consumer so how do you build a product that is simple for the developer to use meets his or her requirement so that they will pay you for it and so github is a good example of that right the, the whole idea is thinking through what is the person's key pain point that you are solving in the workflow solve mm. that and then once he or she is hooked into your solution then keep reeling them in right so that's the approach that i think abhinav did very well right so abhinav took the notion that testing was a big gap testing was a problem that people were facing let let me go solve that right we've seen this now with pando so in pando's case mm. the biggest problem that they saw was digitization of ordering the freight so today if you are sitting in a marico or a britannia or any of these guys and talking to their vp supply chain right there's some guy sitting in his offices somewhere all these right calling right. 20 brokers in bombay at at masjid and saying a truck 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 right so now taking that and and simplifying it through digitization is the starting point that's all they did but it was so useful and was so simple that people started using it I think you really nailed it with the saying that you really need to look at that workflow. That's that's solve for that workflow, making that more efficient than anything else. Uh, awesome. Uh, so, sorry, we'll quickly move to the last kind of a section, which is very sort of quick, rapid fire sort of a thing. Um, uh, I'll just be asking a bunch of quite quick questions, and you know, uh, these have usually one or two word answers. Uh, so my first question, uh, Sadeep, is what is the fastest in terms of time you've taken to say yes to investing in an idea? Two hours. Two hours. Wow, amazing. Um, the second question is: What's one big red flag you look out for during an investment pitch? Lack of listening. Very interesting. Uh, third question: Do you regret saying no to a company slash idea that went on to become very successful? Of course. <laughs> great. That's a great answer. Uh, all right. Uh, I think you answered this one, but I'll ask you again: Which is the first? uh company you invested in the first company that i invested in uh would have been netacross this was in 99 it was a company that was uh basically building a uh it was a services business that was targeting the shift from offline to web uh, web technology so okay interesting Great, um, and yeah, this is the last question. If you had to place your bet on one sector in the coming year, which one would it be? SaaS doesn't count as a sector, right? Mm, not really. Yeah, it's more of delivery model, I think. Yeah, so I would say at this point, uh, what is exciting me is just personally, I'm I've been sort of also looking at impact investing and so on, and you mentioned that briefly. So the whole area of agri tech mm. is an area where I'm spending some time. Very interesting. 
Great. So thanks a lot, uh, Sadiq. This was super insightful, really. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dimash. Good, good catching up.